Welcome back. Thank you for joining me on Reverb Nation, or if you're listening to radiolee.ie, you're in the place to be. Sundays 8 to 10, Wednesdays 10 to 12. Back to Eleanor Barrett interviewed by Dr. Shane Kenna. And this took place on the 1st of April 2009. And if I can go back in time there a little bit, just before the mm-hmm. um, the Easter Rising. So I guess the really question I want to ask you there is, what was her upbringing like? Was it a, what was her childhood like? Her life at Lissadell House and so on, and the background that well, she came um, from. She had a she had an upbringing typical to most Anglo-Irish upper class in Ireland. She was mm-hmm. born in London in 1868, okay. and um, she was reared in a big house in Sligo. Uh, her father was a charitable landlord called Henry Gorebooth. And um, he was known by his tenants to be you know, a good man, helpful in times of food shortage, mm. you know, like the famine of um, so the late... So he opened up the land during the famine? He opened up the yeah. land of Lissadell House at that stage? That's right, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, he was an Arctic explorer as well, really? which a lot of people don't know. Yeah. That's something no one knows. <laughs> there you go. That's very interesting. Um, he he toured all around there in a longboat, I think it was. And um, so, yeah, she she had a you know, very typical upbringing to... Her uh, class, to her background and class, and yeah. um, she was into horse riding and painting, and like you said, she went to the Slade in London mm. and then went to Paris, and that's where she met her future husband, Cassie or Casimir Dunin yep. Markovic, and he was a widower who had a son called uh, Stanislaus or uh, Stasco, and she married him in 1903, I think, okay. and um, they had one daughter, Maeve, and then, as you say the marriage just didn't work out and so she was estranged from her husband for a long time and now the, the marriage didn't yeah. work out in Dublin they came back to in Dublin yeah they came they? back to, yeah. to Dublin in I think 1905 and uh, they got involved in the Celtic revival and the literary movement and he wrote plays as well and um, some of them were quite well known and was he he yeah. would have been a famous character himself he then, was he was he was um, quite an he fit in, fitted in well with the Irish people at the time, and they really recognised him as one of their own. Okay. And at this stage, uh, Constance was developing more nationalist sympathies. And it was, I think it was 1907, they were staying in a house belonging to um, an old Fenian, and um, she found a pile of old Sinn Féin magazine, uh, newspapers written by Arthur Griffith. Yeah. And she read those and got really interested in Irish... History, and, History politics. and politics and the independence and search okay. for independence. So it was kind of the ideas of the yeah. past then pushed her along the road toward the future. And exactly. The pioneering move of the 1916 Rising, essentially. Absolutely. Yeah. And from then she got very involved and she wanted to meet Arthur Griffith, even though he didn't like her very much. He thought Arthur Griffith didn't <laughs> like a lot of people. It was the same thing with John O'Casey. He was a very angry yeah. very type of... <laughs> You know, strange man in his own ways. Uh, I, I think yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Very strange man in his own ways. But again, he's a good mm. journalist in terms of oh, the journalism absolutely. that he put out in the early 20th yeah. century, just to be fair with the guy. And it did inspire her to become involved in the movement. Okay. So then she set up the um, Fianna Heron. And um, so that was her background, really. And like I said, her sister was Eva Gorbuth. And mm-hmm. she had a brother who was famous at the time, his name was Jocelyn Gorbuth, and he was involved in um, c- the cooperative movement with Horace Plunkett. 
Oh, and the, the um, constructive unionism uh, That's type right, policy. yeah. And would he have been a constructive unionist? He, I think he was, yeah, yeah. That's I, very interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. so, so Markovic is the black sheep of the family with her sister. Oh, absolutely, well, yeah. Her brother involved in that. The exact yeah. opposite, almost. That's very fascinating type of research that, mm. that, that that's coming out in terms of your research. <laughs> now, it, was she well liked during her life? Um, um, was she, as an individual, uh, obviously with the likes, if you exclude Arthur Griffith and yes. Sean Casey, <laughs> did other people like her? Did they find her? She was quite well liked. Okay. Um, at the first uh, common Amon meeting she went to, uh, she did not make a, fir- a good first impression because she was all decked out in her fancy um, clothes with diamonds in her hair and she had probably been um, attending some ball or, or other and they thought that she was stuck up and posh okay. and so they didn't you know kowtow to her and Markovic thought this was great you know she was saying you know <laughs> I'm one of you and after that, she was um, she was walking along in the rain beside Helena Maloney, which was the Another first time she. Yep. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, that was the first time she met her. So she was walking along in the rain, and her train of her coat was running in the water. Um, and and uh, Helena Maloney asked Arton, you know, don't you mind that your coat is getting ruined? And uh, Constance said, uh, I won't have time to wear fancy clothes from now on. Oh, and right. from okay. then. Helena Maloney and Constance Markovic were very close friends. Good friends. So yes, it's around that time she's beginning to grow social conscience. Exactly. Yeah. And okay. um, now, was she well liked? Yeah, she was very well liked by the thousands of Dubliners who she helped. You know, they, they're always saying that um, she gave you know considerable amounts to them. You know, she was very charitable. So she was a friend of the Dublin poor. Like she, she was, was well remembered yes, within absolutely. The, particularly Dublin slums. Yes, she was yes. well rem- remembered at that stage. Mm, there's like a lot of stories about her giving money and jewels to them. You know, fivers all over the place. And like it's something we yeah. don't think about when we think about Dublin that had some of the worst slums in Europe. Absolutely, and that yeah. she did give up a lot of privilege and a lot of mm, a good mm, life to, to live help amongst them. the poor. Yeah, and, and she even died in Sir Patrick Dunn's hospital yeah, in the yeah. poor ward because at this stage she really considered herself to be one of them. One, and they considered her to be one of them Absolutely, as well. Like, so yeah. it's, it's an interesting sea change from yeah. that first meeting where she's seen as a bit standoffish, a bit elite. Yes. And now yeah. she's seen essentially as one of us, as one of them. You know, so it's And thousands went to her funeral. I mean, the procession was just huge. There's photos of it. And it's just and the crowd. And where is she buried? Is she buried in Glasnevin? She is buried in Glasnevin Cemetery. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. But, um, Let's go up there and see the grave. <laughs> yeah. the Make it, David. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's quite an interesting place to go visit. Class Absolutely. Yeah. Great site. There's a yeah. whole 1916 section. And she's yeah. in there. That's right. Why is she important? What's her significance in terms of, if we exclude the rising and in terms of politics mm. and the politics that she had yeah. and the, the involvement that she had in terms of the, uh, as a ministerial mm. uh, figure, mm. what makes her significant in terms of that? Well, she, she was, as you say, the, the first woman minister. Um, but she was a lot more than that. She really encouraged women to get involved. And um, she appointed women to ministerial or to positions in her ministry whenever she could. And she did so much for women. And I think she definitely was one of the most um, established feminists of the time, even though now she may not be looked back upon as a feminist, you know, in the modern sense of the word. But she definitely was. She was um, an activist. She got involved in all kinds of movements. She was the uh, president of Common Man um, from 1918 to her death. And mm-hmm. 
she, which obviously it's, it's an important role to play in terms of the, the movement because Come on the Mon was uh, essentially a very important aspect yes. of the Republican movement during the War of Independence, also during the Civil War. Mm, um, mm. You know, it's one thing I've been hammering home and a couple of times we've been talking about Anne Devlin. We were talking about um, kind of Republican prisoners during the Civil War in another show. Yeah. And the women's movement are always the one that are pushing the movement along. They're always much more radical than the men. Absolutely. And I think they, it's because they kind of sneak under the, the surface of... Um, what's going on. You know, the Dublin RIC may have may not have really read the paper and they say that it was the only women's paper that was read by men. You know, the Common Amon paper because they could get away with things that the censor wouldn't pick up on. Yeah. Especially in Constance's uh, A Lady with a Garden piece. Well, that's, that seems to be mm. very interesting. Like, I've never mm. heard of that article or a lady with a garden. Like, that's very, very interesting. To, yeah, uh, you can still look see at that. Them, she's yeah. that blatant in terms of what she's saying. Like, it is oh, coded, but it's, yeah. it's quite blatant what, what it's well, saying. Well, it's coded, it? but she would say, say like a line, uh, rid your garden of slugs and pests such as one would rid Ireland, one would want to rid Ireland of British. So it's... Okay, it's so in she, your she face. Is very in your face. She's very <laughs> yeah. open in terms of her politics. She is. It's yeah. very interesting. Mm. That's certainly an interesting aspect. That but it was portrayed at. as a gardening column, so it may not have been read um, as, by, as by bl- the censor. Yeah. 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 But it, to, to me, it's obviously I'm looking at it in hindsight in some respect, because mm. when you think of Markovic, the first thing that comes into your mind, 1916, That's not right. executed because she was a woman. Yes. Uh, but you, maybe years ago, in, in, when, when she wrote that article, you'd open it and say, God, it's an interesting garden review you know it's, it, you don't take the politics out of it nowadays I'm taking the politics out of it and it's it's something really that isn't it's it's not really covered by her biographies in terms of the books that that's out there about no her. there's very little mention of that in her bi- biographies and how do her biographers treat her like how do, how do is she portrayed in a favourable light is she portrayed in an unfavourable light or would she be seen as uh, an individual that you know would be slightly as you were saying earlier slightly a crank if you will um well Actually, they, they kind of go the opposite way. Uh, her biographers have represented her mainly in a kind of hagiographical, you know, like a saint kind of way. Like they present her in a sycophantic light. You know, yeah. they they emphasize all the good deeds she did. To the, she's seen as an people. Irish Joan of Arc. She is, absolutely. Now, she wanted to be seen as an Irish Joan of Arc, but right. because of her militancy. But um, they don't bring up her militancy too much. And the fact that she killed or or I see man is totally really? glossed over. I didn't know yes, that. absolutely. And when was this? this was during the rising. Okay. But um it's it's said that she did it in cold blood, she killed him, just shot him dead. Wow. But um she could have been caught up in the drama of things, you know, the adrenaline was pumping, she was just caught up in it. But uh, the biographers don't mention any, anything about that. That's, sir, that's another interesting mm. fact about Markovic that you know, you very few people know about. Mm. I think her, her biographers life. didn't want people to, to know that. To think about it. Yeah. yeah, because they want to present her as this good type, this saintly type. Who and, did no um, wrong. Or yeah, no who right did no or, wrong. Yeah. Who was um, always doing good works to the poor and in touch with her maternal and charitable side and felt a an affinity with the common Irishman. But in actual fact, she actually gave her daughter to be raised by her mother. Did she? Yeah, um, in in uh, Lizardell in Sligo. And she wasn't that maternal. And when she was staying in jail for the second time in Holloway Prison, um, she was arrested for a German plot. A, a revolutionary life. It isn't really <laughs> what you want to bring a child up No, in. she thought that, that um, her daughter would be better with her mother with because her mother. she'd have more opportunities and um, I think 
her daughter was annoyed by this because later uh, letters that her sister Eva had sent to her um, had all been burnt. Now, it said accidentally, Mm. but they were burnt by her daughter. So I don't know if that was some sort of uh, form of revenge. But uh, on her death, they she were all burned. Wasn't, wasn't happy with her mother. No, no. But that's, um, that's a quite tragic story yeah, as so well, though, isn't it? It's kind of it, it is it's a little quite tragedy tragic. of the War of Independence Civil War period. That's it. That, that they couldn't raise these women couldn't raise their their children. But anyway, as I was saying it, about a Holloway prison, she was staying with Maud Gone, and um, um, this was during the German plot. This was yeah during the, the alleged German plot, alleged sorry. German plot, uh, which Constance Markovich you know always denies because she said there was nothing true in it at all but uh, she was with Grace Gifford and um, Maud Gone and they were very devout mothers and they had left their children behind and they were mourning for the whole time they felt awful but Constance had really she had grown to deal with the fact that her daughter Maeve wasn't with her at all so she didn't feel any pangs of parting when she was taken away so I think she wasn't maternal but um, she probably saw her daughter as kind of a younger sister Okay, so yeah. it was. She, she wasn't really. She looked up. She looked at her as kind of part of the family, but not my yeah, my daughter it, essentially. But she was perfectly happy to send her to her mother. Well, I suppose it makes yeah. sense. It you know, as, as I was saying, for yeah. like, if, if you're on if you're on the run for mm. most of the time, if you're separated engaging from in the warfare, husband. if you're going separated from your husband, if you're going mm. to jail, you know you're gonna. There's possibility you're gonna end up in jail. Mm. Do you want that? Distability, and she spent years child. in jail. She, she was did. in Aylesbury, um, Kilmainham as well. Kil- yeah. Well, she was only there briefly. Yeah. Mount Joy, um, Cork and Termon camp as well. Good she bit. only lived to fifty-seven, and that was you know quite a yeah. young age at the time. And she was quite uh, facially and and, and yeah. internally. She, she was, was quite, emaciated. She, she was. Yeah, if you see pictures of her in her later life, she's very run down in her later life. Mm. If you look at her throughout her younger life. Yeah, she's, she's beautiful. She's a yeah. beautiful woman. She's yeah. very active, she's very physically fit, looking very healthy. But mm. after the jail time, her face is sucked in. Absolutely, her teeth, yeah. are bro- her teeth as well. Are, they, they look very broken. They look very and, broken yeah. and rotten at, at, at a number of stages. Mm. And but, um, it, you know, she she actually was 48 during the Rising and the pictures of her during the Rising, she looks fantastic. She looks young and youthful. But since she went to jail, she actually wrote a pamphlet system. called Breaking Down Bastille's you know the Bastilles. That's a reference to the Paris, um, the, the, yeah. the Paris prison. Exactly, and um, in it she was saying that there should be better health conditions and better food, cleaner. Yeah. Certainly should because uh, the, the likes of, mm. from my own personal experience in terms of visiting Kilmainham or seeing those type of places, the way the jail was, you compare that to other prisons from that period as well it it's was a slop just horrible it's rotten you know it's, I, I don't know if it's still a silent system I don't think it would be a silent system for the early 20th century and the late 19th century they operate a silent system you never talk you never speak to any other prisoner in mm. the 20th century I think it might be going aside at that stage but it, it's still a very very regimental type of a brutal system you'd find yourself in and it really, she suffered really through it but she in the letters she wrote to her sister during the whole period she was in jail she maintains chirpy and um, optimistic and she never shows her you know pain at being stuck in prison in such horrible conditions mm. and that really shows her character you know she was she was uh, a fighter she certainly was a fighter mm. she had a mm. she had a big strong spirit about her absolutely uh, that's one thing definitely about it shines that comes through across. Uh, whenever you look about her you read about her and you do see that inherent within the woman. And in terms of the woman, how is she commemorated? Is there any form of there, There's actually remembrance a bust in St. Stephen's Green. It's 
I don't really like it. It's it doesn't show her real self. It's just her face and shoulders, her head and shoulders, and it's made out of um, bronze. And it just doesn't represent her properly. And I think there should be a better one. A better statue. She was she was such a wonderful figure of the time. Really she, influential. She is and she's hardly remembered. And I think a lot of people now they think of her as um, just mad. <laughs> a lot it, of people don't even know that she's it's Irish. A with <laughs> Irish history, though, is that when, when mm. you have women in Irish history, mm. they're usually just rubbed out or they're That's written right. over. Likes of Anne Devlin. Completely rubbed out of Irish Completely, history. Completely, yeah. Um, uh, Countess Margaret. Even Maud Gone and, and yeah. Helena Maloney and yeah. Dr. Uh, Kathleen Lynn. They all took part in the Rising, as did uh, Margaret Skinner and Alice Walker or Nihulivig. And look as well, yeah. uh, Kathleen Clark. Uh, absolutely. The, the, the Thomas Clark, uh, yeah. the, uh, Lord Mayor of Dublin. Yes, uh, absolutely. Completely <laughs> written out of Irish history. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it's a shame that it's, it's, it's that case, you know. That's and, just um, the way it is. But we have to change this. We certainly have to That's change it. That's I'm why we have historians this. like yourself coming out there and doing great research yeah, on the likes you. of Countess Markovic. And really looking forward to reading it when it comes out as a book. And I hope it will at some stage. <laughs> and um, if I can ask you there, really as a final question, just while we're mm, looking at Countess yeah. Markovic's life, what's her overall legacy? Where is she? What did she leave for the Irish people to look up to or to read about and what left really inspired I, us as a people from I think Smart. she led by example whenever she wanted anything she did it and whenever she wanted to encourage other people she really did it first and she led by example she uh, she wanted to get women in politics she got herself elected certainly did <laughs> she wanted equal rights for women she was the first woman in Europe to hold a ministerial portfolio. She paved the way f- for future generations she of women. She was a pioneer of women's politics. Absolutely. And an example for women across the world, essentially, across that, the world. you know, look yeah. what she can do. You can get involved in politics. Mm. And um, she achieved so much during her ministerial portfolio. Um, and I haven't really mentioned much of it, but uh, she appointed a lot of women to uh, positions in it. Now, she spent a good bit of time in jail while she was, while she was actually... Um, in the ministry. ministry. So this affected what she achieved as well. But had she not been in India, I think she would have just done sensational things for Ireland. Very interesting history of Countess Markovic. And um, Eleanor, thanks for coming in and talking to us about it today. Thank you, you know, so it's, much, it's, Shane. It's been a pleasure, pleasure. a pleasure to have you here uh, talking about it. And, you know, you've really educated the listeners on the life of Countess Markovic. And, I hope um, so. <laughs> that's, yeah, you, you certainly have. It's uh, been fantastic uh, to talk to you. So best of luck with the research. And, um, Eleanor Barron there from um, St. Patrick's College in Drumcondra. Thank Thanks you so much. for coming out. Thanks for listening. Eleanor Barron there, interviewed by Dr. Shane Kennan, 2009. Inish, or PC new chart. The Some new music which I received in the post this week, including from my good mate Dave Conway of the DC Experiment, Bana as Blocklia, longtime OTV stalwarts. It's called Come On. Lot of situations going down. My head is straight into a very strange little town. Got some crazy eyes peering through my door. Can't get out, I can't go out anymore. Not a lot of use to being on my own. Living life through internet.
kids get staring at everything I bought. I always said that I would get you where I wanted to get you. Come on, come on. I always get the timing wrong. It takes some time to get it all right on, right on. Not enough to say everything is wrong. the 
things that I do and the things that I don't when I'm alone. So
Bunch of Royal Rush, welcome back. Uh, four tracks in a row there for you. The first of those was a new single by uh, DC Experiment. It's called Come On. Uh, then you heard Pierce McLaughlin with Egg Hole, Egg Hole, Egg on Caravog. I said through this journey, which is called The Rest. Uh, a pint and a song and a staycation in a wet pub. Good jazz. On Shin, Los Texas, Willie Shivlari White with his band Funky Mustard August Alone. August Vichy Shin er on album Sunny Dust. And the fourth there was Damien Rice with Nine Crimes. Arunisha Bio do OTV Live er on Sheolos Fahed the Martha Govila. And I searched the archive to find that little gem after watching the HBO series I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Uh, which is excellent. Suspense, horror, uh, moving bits and light relief mixed superbly in a documentary about the writing of a book concerning a true cold case. Anyway, the final three minutes or so are soundtrack by Damien Rice and Lisa Hannigan with Nine Crimes and I knew I had a solo version of it somewhere in the live archives so I thought it appropriate to share with y'all. I was a conscious crimes I'm an avid reader of the Irish writer John Connolly. Um, they're crime novels, and I've just finished his latest excellent Charlie Parker book, The Dirty South. And having done that, Kindle recommended another, which I won't mention because it was very disappointing. A formulaic tale of an American-Afghan war veteran returning to rural Alabama and finding out that the Aryan Brotherhood had taken over the county. Drugs, prostitution, white supremacists, corrupt sheriffs, etc 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 but one thing i found out that was shocking was the fact that the aryan brotherhood used the shamrock by itself or superimposed with a swastika as membership tattoos it seems an irish christian symbol of the trinity and our nation and our nation symbol of peace and harmony have been morphed into a racist hate identifier and the innocent shoe-mending leprechaun has also been vilified by eight schlock horrorwood B-movies. Some reclaiming needs to be done. Yeah, I'm sick 
keeps his ear to the ground So that he can hear every itsy bitsy little sound Little red beard and beady voice He's a cute hair, old and wise But now he's really sitting on a pot of gold The gold he earned from the lies he told He likes the creamy black stuff, never gets enough He took it under the table and the little freckles pretty tough Saying fiddly diddy fiddly diddy diddy He never gets the leprechaun, he always gets a wee Fiddly diddy 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 this one wrote this about nearly a year sure okay well let's have a listen
was King Sativa there with uh, What's Going On from the EP Feels So Good from 2002. August River should be Paddy Casey, uh, Like a Criminal, which is from a demo uh, he brought with him when I interviewed him on the 9th of February 1996. Before that again, Irish native but domiciled in Paris with his band City Weasel. That was Simon Fleury, Avec Leprechaun. Dans une OTV night sur le 21 de novembre 2000. 
is set. Right now, it's time to go and watch Sam Bennett in the Tour de France. Come on, you boy in green. So, in a row, you will hear Thaddeus Buckley, Jimson Green, and the Judas Goat. The website news page will have further links. So, go and visit Slán Gofol. He's been dead since 1983 But he looked grand and pleased this morning So I watched him walk about Looking happy, charmed and stout Through the roses that bloom out in my garden Don't think that I'm a saint I'm just Johnny in the deep green garden Think that I am weak If I look you in the eye My mind might have I mark and I am watched Back cars that you drive past And satellites that watch me in the darkness A goblin makes me cry And there's no cure that I can see for his sharpness Don't think that I'm a sinner I'm just Johnny in the deep green garden Don't think that I am weak If I look you in the eye My mind might have
Shadow 
Thanks a million, thank you. 